don't need you to answer it. I just need you to think. Have you ever faced a time or a moment, think to yourself, have you ever faced a time or a moment where you thought this thought? I know that I shouldn't do this, but if I do this, man, it's going to be horrific. Has anybody ever had that thought before? I know I've had that thought before. A good friend of mine, a good friend of mine, a couple years ago, about seven years ago, a buddy of mine named Justin, we went to one of our friend's beach houses for, um, for spring break, and he had that thought. He had this thought of, man, I know I probably shouldn't do this, but man, it's going to be really, really funny. And here was the thought. She lived on a golf course, right? And so it was a really nice house, man. Really, really nice. And as you turn the corner of hole number seven, there her house sits, right? So Justin gets this bright idea that he is going to give these golfers a memorable experience, if you will, for their round of 18. And so they're coming around hole number seven, and here's what, here was his thought. His thought was, how funny, and I remember him saying this, guys, how funny would it be if as the golfers turn hole seven, if I moved all of them? I mean, dude, would that not be hilarious if I did that, right? And so, of course, we're thinking, dude, it probably would be funny, but it probably would be a, a, a bonehead move, you know what I'm saying? And so sure enough, guys, listen up, listen up. Sure enough, my buddy Justin, my buddy Justin drops his pants and he goes up to the window, right? The golfers are turning hole seven. He puts his butt against the window and here's what happens. Now listen, 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 listen. I don't know if you've ever done anything like this, but he must have used a little too much force. Because what happened is he literally went through the window to the other side, and yes, he had to be rushed to the emergency room, and shards of glass had to be moved from his butt. And then, the whole weekend, right, listen, the whole spring break weekend, he had to sit on one of those inflatable donuts because he was in so much pain. I mean, guys, listen, I bet if Justin were here, he would say, Man, I wish I would have listened to the voice inside of me telling me not to do what I just did. It was really funny for us, though, because he was in some pain. I mean, he was in some pain. And here's the thing. All of you have probably had that thought at some point in time, and we're going to come back to that. But here's what we're doing. We're in week number two of a series called Stranger Things. And in this series, we're looking at something that in life and in the Bible can be kind of a strange thing. We're looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. And understand, I said the person of the Holy Spirit. So if you were with us last week, what we talked about is that the Holy Spirit is a he. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's not a movement. He is a person. So what we talked about is that every characteristic that God has, the Holy Spirit and we talked about he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he is eternal. And I want to be honest with you guys, when it comes to this series, right, when it comes to this series, this, this week and next week is primarily for those of you in this room that would say, I am committed to Christ, I have a relationship with Christ, because the 
Bible is very clear. The Holy Spirit is around us. He's working in and through all kinds of different people. And He does not indwell us. He does not live inside of us until we commit our life to Christ. And so this week and next week, we're going to be talking about what that looks like. But here is another question. What if, what if there was like this. It's like your conscience. 
but it's deeper than your conscience. It's like a, a it's, it's deeper than, than common sense, right? I mean, for Justin, he didn't need the Holy Spirit to tell him not to put his butt against the glass. You know what I'm saying? That's common sense. But the Holy Spirit is way deeper and way bigger than that. And what I want you to see is that He is our helper, and here is the way that He helps us. The Holy Spirit is a healer. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. The Holy Spirit is a voice. He is a voice, and He's a voice that helps us. Now, His voice is not like my voice, and it's not like your voice. His voice is like a prompting. His voice is maybe a feeling. His voice is maybe something in you, right, that says, maybe you shouldn't do this. Or maybe you should do this. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do is I want to dig into this. I want to talk about this. I want to give you three ways that His voice helps us. The first thing is this, that His voice is a voice that convicts us. His voice is a voice that students convicts us. Convicts basically means compelled to admit the truth. Conviction is what happens when you know what you should do, but you do what you shouldn't do, and you feel bad about it. That's conviction. That feeling you get at the pit of your stomach when you're like, man, why did I do that? And we've all had that, right? Because we're not perfect. That's of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says this, truly I tell you, it is for your good, Jesus is saying this, it's for your good, guys, who M12, that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the helper of the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about Think about it. He convicts us when we sin. Here's a perfect example. So the other night I was watching television, and I have direct TV. I love direct TV. Direct TV is great. But as I'm watching TV, right, what happens is my screen suddenly goes, um, it, it won't do anything. It, it's like it's frozen. So I try to change the channel, no go. I try to get back to the guide, no go. I try to go to my list of DVR, no go. So I can't get the, the direct TV to, to, to move. And, and I'm getting I'm getting frustrated, guys. Okay? And, and you're with me on that. It's like you're putting yourself in my shoes. You're watching your favorite show. Oh, yeah, this is great. And then it just frozen, freezes on you. And you don't know what happens. And so I'm frustrated. And what do I do? I call direct TV. I'm on the phone. And here's what happens. Happens every time. Maybe you haven't experienced this, but you call a place like direct TV. And the person that answers. They're just, they're just in this happy-go-lucky voice, you know. Hello, this is Direct TV, you know, and I am really frustrated. And so the minute she answers the phone, I just get agitated. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I just get so mad. And here's what happens. I let her know how mad I was. To a point, students, I'm not proud of this, but to a point where when I hung up the phone, I felt that I called the TV back and I apologized for my attitude. See, that
there are times when conviction comes in your life and you've got to pay attention to what takes place. For you, maybe it's something that you've said about one of your friends and you start to feel bad about it. Or for you, maybe it's the way that you've treated your parents or the way that you've treated an adult or the way you've treated your teacher and you feel bad about it. Pay attention to the times when conviction sets in. And here's the beautiful thing. You know why the Holy Spirit You're not just gonna let him die like that, are you? Don't listen to that guy. He's trying to lead you down the path of righteousness. I'll come off it. You come off it. You. You. You infinity. Listen up, big guy. I got three good reasons why you should just walk away. Number one, look at that guy. He's got that sissy stringy music thing. Rome. Reason number two, look what I can do. <laughs> no, no. He's got a point. Now that might be a little bit of a silly example, but honestly, there's moments when we face situations just like that, where we know the right thing to do, but something else is trying to get us to do something else, and sometimes it can even be a person. It can even be someone in our lives that's trying to influence us to do something that we shouldn't do, and sometimes it's just in our mind, like it was here in this it's just this constant battle, and the Holy Spirit wants to, to guide you. When you don't know where to go, when you don't know what to do, He wants to be a guide for you. The Bible says it like this, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. That's what He wants to do. He wants to guide you into the right path, the truth. Then He says this, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, Psalm 32, 8. I will counsel you and watch over you. Here's the point, students. Think about this. Pay attention to the prompting that is inside. When you're, when your feeling is to do something, and that something is not harming you, is not harming someone else, then most of the time, that prompting is most likely from the person of the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The last thing tonight before we wrap up is this. The Holy Spirit has a voice that comforts us. He has a voice that comforts us. Again, Jesus says, I'll give you another advocate who will help you. 
in the midst of a storm. And some of you have experienced that, and maybe some of you are waiting to experience that. And so here's what I want you to, to think about tonight. He comforts us first through promise. One of my good friends, every time they read the Bible, they will put a gigantic, I mean a capital T, every time there's a promise in Scripture to their life. And, and this person's Bible is, is full of capital T's. Because in the Bible, there are promises all over the Bible. One of my favorite promises that God tells us is that if we are faithful, that He remains that He is a faithful God, that even when we don't see it, that He sees it, that He is faithful, that He is with us. Even if we don't feel like He's always with us, He is a faithful God. And you know what that means? Is it means that He promises and He always delivers. See, students, we live in a world where people make promises to us, and sometimes those promises get broken. Sometimes they promise us something that they really can't hold their end of the bargain. It's not like that with God. God delivers on His promises every single time. And I want to do something kind of unique tonight. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, because I want to read something over you tonight. You hear something like, God promises me things, and I want you to hear this. Every one of these promises comes from Scripture, and I want you to take this in. Maybe this will be a way to help you pay attention differently. Close your eyes and bow your heads. I want you to listen to this. Listen to these promises that Scripture tells us. He gives us our desires. He helps us in times of trouble. His peace guards us. He prays for us. He is our helper. Upholds us with his hand. He does not abandon us. He hears your prayers. He rescues us. He brings us freedom. He draws near to us. He supplies us with all that we need. He directs us. He never leaves us. He never always delivers. And maybe that's the reason you came tonight, because you just needed to hear some of those promises spoken over you tonight. Maybe you've forgotten some of those promises. Small group leaders, connection leaders, maybe that's something you want to touch on tonight in your group, is the promises that come 
relationship with God. And another thing that God does is he promises, or excuse me, he comforts us through his prayers. He comforts us through his prayers. See, there is God makes promises and always delivers, but I want you to think about something. He actually prays for And some of you know this, but I was born in the state of Louisiana. And then in first grade, that's when I moved to Georgia. So in my childhood, man, I had a best buddy. I mean, we were attached at the hip. His name was Brian. If I wasn't at his house, he was at mine. If he wasn't at mine, I was at his. And then first grade came, and my dad lost his job, and we had to move. And so we moved to here. And, and honestly, you know, our friendship kind of changed a little bit. We weren't as close as we once were, and we didn't talk as much, but there were times when we would still hang out every time I would go visit or he would come visit. And then something I remember about Ryan's dad is two things. I remember, man, he was a really, really funny guy, and I remember that he took really good care of himself. I can remember times when we were watching game or a movie, and you guys, I don't even think they make these anymore, but he had this gigantic uh, exercise bike that just made so much noise. It sounded like a hurricane. It was crazy. And I can remember he would just, man, he would ride that thing all the way through the movie. And we're not talking about a 20-minute ride. We're talking about like an hour and a half, 
And so he took really good care of himself. He ran marathons. I mean, he did all kinds of stuff. And then he got to an age, right, where he could no longer necessarily carry a, a running of a marathon, right? But then he started speed walk racing, which I didn't even know existed. But he was in New York at this speed walk marathon race. And something happened that I never thought would. He had a massive heart attack. And literally at the race, he just, boom, he dropped. He had a heart attack. He was rushed to the hospital. To make matters really worse, his son, Ryan, my best friend, you know, growing up, he was getting married the next weekend. And so he's in the hospital, and he's literally kind of, in a sense, on life support. We have no way of understanding, no way of knowing how in the world does this happen to someone who is really in shape, that dedicated their life to taking care of themselves, that was the joy of the family, the joy of the, the party. I mean, it, it kind of led me down this path of what in the world is going on? I mean, what in the world is happening? Yet in the So I remember just approaching God and just saying, I have no words. And the story goes, he, he didn't make it. He didn't make it. And to this day, I can't explain why that happened. But I can tell you this. One thing that brought me comfort was this memory, this thought, that when I don't know what to say or what to pray, he prays. Somehow, in some way, in God's grand plan, He's praying on my behalf. He's uttering words. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, is uttering words to God for me. And maybe you felt that way this week, too. Maybe you've been faced with a situation where you didn't know what to say, you didn't know what to do, you certainly didn't know how to pray. So as we come to a close, I want to ask you this question again. What if, what if there was more? What if there was more access to God? What if God had more for you? What if God wanted to do more in you and through you? What if He wanted you to access His power, His presence every single day? And I think that for those committed to Christ, I think it's very possible. And I want to give you the one way, simply this, abide. It's the word abide. The Bible says it like this, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides, there's that word, whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears See, I love this word abide because what it communicates 
tonight for you and for me is that we have access, if we're committed to Christ, we have access to his promises. We have access to him praying for us. We have access to him guiding our footsteps and guiding our decisions. We have access to rely on him convicting us when we do something that we shouldn't have done. But it does require something on our part. We can't just sit idly by. We have to abide. I love what it says at the end. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, sin, this world, is way too broken. And it has way too much stuff going on for us to be able to handle what we have to handle without the help of God. And what abide means, guys, is simply this. It's a constant lingering with God. It's spending time with God. It's sitting with God. It's spending time praying to Him. It's spending time opening the Bible. And maybe you don't know where to start. Maybe you don't know how to do that. Ask your small group leader, your connection group leader. I would be happy to, to talk with you about that. When you abide, what it says is that you need Him. And we started something last week. We went through a Bible plan this past week, or maybe you weren't here, and I want to invite you into this. It's, it's called the Forgotten God Plan. We've got a slide, and uh, you can simply go to uh, uversion.com. There's cards on the resource table in the lobby if you want to grab one of those cards, and they can give you directions on where to go and how to find that Bible plan. But here's the key. The key to gain access to the person of the Holy Spirit is to abide, to meet with to walk with Him, to spend time with Him, to talk to Him, build a relationship with Him. Because see, remember the promise that Jesus made. God is not 